0: This is a WTOP original podcast.
1: From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The sanctions against Russian President Vladimir Putin and his foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov.
0: Well, as we know from their statements of assets, uh, both men just have small flats in uh, Moscow and uh, and old cars, uh, uh, which is all they can afford on their official salaries.
1: But Radek Sikorsky, a member of the European Parliament and chair of the EU delegation to the US, says something else is at play.
0: At the same time, one hears uh, multi-million pound flats in London and billions of uh, dollars uh, is stashed away under um, under other people's names. So I hope uh, when we are freezing their assets, we really go after the, um, the, the the money stolen from the Russian people.
1: Coming up on this episode of Target USA,
0: the National Security Podcast.
1: From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. This is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. As you probably know, U.S. and Western sanctions on Russia as a country continue to mount. But two of Russia's most recognizable figures have also been hit with sanctions. President Vladimir Putin and Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov. I spoke with Radek Sikorsky, a member of Poland's parliament and head of the EU delegation to the US about what these sanctions would mean both for these two prominent Russians and for the conflict in Ukraine. We spoke to him on February 25th, just as the sanctions were about to be announced.
0: Well, as we know from their statements of assets, uh, both men just have small flats in uh, Moscow and uh, and old cars. uh, which is all they can afford on their official salaries. Um, but at the same time, one hears uh, uh, multi-million pound flats in London and billions of uh, dollars uh, is stashed away under, um, um, uh, under other people's names. So I hope uh, when we are freezing their assets, um, we really go after the, um, the, the, the money stolen from the Russian people um, uh, and, uh, and shifted um, uh, for protection to the West.
1: So is this a done deal or is this something that's being considered right now?
0: Well, you know, about two weeks ago, um, there was a, 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 a lovely vignette of um, what was assumed to be Putin's yacht, uh, which was in a German um, uh, shipyard being refitted. Uh, hastily <laughs> departing Germany because clearly someone, someone told um, uh, the captain that uh, the invasion was coming. Um, uh, these are uh, uh, thieves who've uh, stolen money from their own people and uh, have enjoyed for far too long the uh, ability to enjoy uh, those ill-gotten gains um, uh, uh, on the territory of the democracies. This has to end.
1: Yes. Um, and speaking of the activities of these people, the horrible scenes we saw unfolding in Ukraine on the 24th of February were scenes that people had dreaded, hoping that they wouldn't come, but they did. What What are your thoughts on what you saw and, and, and what's taking place
0: now in Ukraine? Uh, I am appalled, but I'm not surprised. Um, I've known this was coming for years, and in particular since July last year when Putin published this manifesto for the uh, dismemberment of uh, Ukraine, which he forced all Russian soldiers to read. Uh, why would you do that if you were not planning to persuade those soldiers to um, to take part in a war on aggression uh, of aggression? Um, uh, He has thrown out uh, all the lessons we've learned after two world wars about not changing borders by force. He's trying to uh, impose on Europe the law of the fist, and this cannot stand.
1: Yeah, indeed. So um, today we hear that um, President Zelensky, his life is in danger, his family's life, his cabinet's lives are in danger. You know this is something we sort of suspected would happen and most likely um is something that they will have to fight hard to resist the people in ukraine have been begging for help on the ground they say sanctions are good but they need something in the interim is there any likelihood that there might be some help coming from the eu or from nato countries or from from some other military going
0: into ukraine well, remember the U.S. helped Ukraine with strategic intelligence, warning it uh, what was coming and actually making it impossible for Putin to win the information war. We won the information war. We have about what Putin is, has done, uh, which was not a foregone conclusion. Uh, we, we have, prev- or rather the U.S. administration, I credit where credit is due, has prevented Putin from manufacturing these fake pretexts for the war. Uh, Secondly, um, the US, Britain, uh, Baltic States, Poland uh, have now delivered, uh, in the nick of time, um, uh, enough anti-tank and anti-aircraft missiles for every Russian tank and every, uh, every Russian plane. And it's now up to the Ukrainians to use them effectively. Uh, and they are u- using them effectively. Um, Ukraine is in a, in a weaker position, but is not without a, a chance of, uh, of stopping this, of grinding the, the Russians to a halt. Um, it depends on how um, heroic they're pre- prepared to be in defense of their country.
1: Yeah, and speaking of which, a lot of people have been leaving. Ukraine and pouring into Poland. Um, what can you share about what Poland's prepared to do, and what kind of uh, influx of uh, refugees are you seeing, and and what appears to be an, a possible? Well, actually, the news
0: on the Polish-Ukrainian border is that about twenty-five thousand people crossed crossed it yesterday, but Ukrainian border guards were turning uh, uh, young men back to be conscripted to fight for their country, hmm. um, which means that Ukrainian mobilization is still taking place. And the, the Russians actually don't have a numerical superiority. They have some, some equipment superiority, but not overwhelming. Uh, and if, uh, and if, the Rus- if the Ukrainians mobilize, they might have a million troops under arms.
1: Sure. How is Poland um, again prepared to deal with the the possible large influx of Ukrainians coming into Poland to seek shelter?
0: Uh, we will cope with it. You know, we already have a, a million Ukrainians in Poland. We are a richer country. They uh, they, uh, they they were uh, they uh, they are they work in our economy. They are well regarded, and um, we speak similar languages. Uh, we can take a million or more and. As the EU, we are the richest economy on earth. Uh, The the refugees is going to be the least of our problems. Uh, uh, We'll take care of these people. Our problem is how to stop Putin from invading countries. Mm -hmm. Do you get the sense that uh, he may set his sights on other countries, NATO countries? Well, look, the lesson of what's happened is, that when a dictator tells you that he's going to dismember uh, uh, neighboring states, he means it. He's been telling us for years, very publicly, that he would do this. We just didn't think he could be uh, he could be crazy enough to fulfill it. So listen to his um, address to the nation. He said that Lenin shouldn't have given the republics of the Soviet Union, the right to secede. And look what he has done just recently. He's put um, 30,000 Russian troops in Belarus. He's intervened militarily in Kazakhstan. He has troops and equipment in Armenia. He has troops and equipment in Moldova. These are all former Soviet republics. Of course, the Baltic states are members of the EU and of NATO, but but I hope you'll admit he's slightly running out of places to invade.
1: Yes, I do admit that. And I bet it would be great if he admitted it too. Speaking about his announcement the other night and the, the two announcements this week, I'm interested in your uh, what your observation was. First, he was very angry uh, and I'm wondering, um, what your thoughts are about about that, but also this second uh, ad- address when he announced um, on on the 24th uh, the invasion was coming, he was wearing the same clothes that he was wearing from two days before.
0: What does that tell you? And the watches of the of his minions who were being interrogated during that uh, farcical Stalinist. Uh, Security Council were showing uh, a, a, a time from a few um, hours before. So this is all staged because he he must be afraid um, of uh, an uncontrolled sequence of events. Um, one hears the rumor that, for example, not everybody, in fact, agreed and supported him in his invasion plans and th- at that Security uh, Council. But, you know, in an, in an Orwellian reality, you can just cut them out and throw them into the memory hole, you know? Um, uh, so this is all staged, of course. His regime uh, and his entire mode of operation is based on control and on lies. Let me ask you this. Come on, l- just look at the foreign ministry uh, web, web page or Twitter feed and, what, and Putin's statements. He's bringing down a Nazi regime in Ukraine? I mean, President Zelensky is Jewish for God's sake. And he's a, a democratically elected president of Ukraine, unlike Putin, who's not democratically elected. So if and who's using fascistic language of conquest. I yeah. mean, who should be calling whom?
1: Yeah. So what does that tell you? The anger and the activity, you know, some people say it's almost as if he just kind of took off this mask and, and suddenly has been losing his composure in the last weeks, months, etc. cetera. What, is, what,
0: what does his anger tell you? I think it's, it all goes back to his time in Dresden in 1989 when he was a, 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 a lieutenant colonel in the KGB and he saw the crowds storming uh, the offices of uh, East German Security Services and apparently he was in some danger of his life and he saw the collapse of an empire to which he devoted his life. Um, And he's now trying to restore it. Um, uh, But you know, this will not necessarily work. Uh, Karl Marx said that history comes in um, circles, first as a tragedy, second as a farce.
1: Yes, very interesting. Um, Couple more questions before we let this go today. What are your thoughts on where we go from here, Europe, where Europe goes from here? Because a lot of people have been making comparisons to this war, between this war and World War II. What are your views?
0: Well, there's always a uh, kind of competition of paradigms. Um, And in fact, I've been in correspondence with my German then opposite number, Frank-Walter Steinmeier, who is now president of Germany. And I was telling him, um, you know, eight years ago that we are appeasing uh, or we're in danger of appeasing a dictator like in the 1930s. And his answer was, ah, but if we overreact, we might have 1914 and a, and a war by accident. Um, hmm. uh, but I think uh, President Putin, by making these rants and, and, and invading... Uh, has persuaded um, people that, that he needs to be deterred and punished for his for, for what he, what he's done. Um, so yes, there are always some historical parallels, but um, you know, in social sciences, nothing is exactly the same. Um, yeah, uh, I think we need a steep um, learning curve in Germany, who uh, who thought until a week ago that they live in this postmodernist uh, nirvana. Uh, and suddenly uh, have woken up to the fact that um, that not everybody uh, accepts those rules.
1: Exactly. So final thing, um, what is it that you'd like to add or to talk about that we haven't spoken about today that is important as we consider where we are with this Russian invasion of Ukraine
0: and what it means for the future? Well, look, we failed to prevent and, and deter Putin and there are no easy options now. The sanctions that work will hurt us too, because the core of um, Putin's power is the oil and gas sector of, of the Russian Federation. If we target it either by export bans or by financial bans, we will suffer some pain. But we have to ask ourselves, is, uh, is this better or having to rearm to face up to Putin over a decade, and which will actually be cheaper and safer to do. Uh, and I think it's um, if, if we want to get Putin's attention, we need to something um, to something to do something more drastic than hitherto.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Mr. Sikorsky, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. You bring reason and um, insight to everything we discuss. I appreciate your time again.
0: Thank you very much, my pleasure.
1: That's Rodik Sikorsky, a member of the European Union Parliament and head of the EU delegation to the US. Now on this program, I want to bring you back to the present and a talk with a person in Ukraine that I had just yesterday about the situation there for them. His name is Vasil Miroshenchenko, and he's in Western Ukraine. Vasil, give me a sense of what your situation is today.
2: Well, the uh, si- situation is escalating. Uh, I see that the cities of, of Kiev and Kharkiv and Trinidad are under heavy shelling and bombardment. Um, uh, as of today, uh, there, are more th- there were more than 600 missiles which were launched at Ukraine at different targets. Uh, yesterday, uh, uh, an airport nearby where I'm staying was, was hit with eight missiles. And uh, today, was there was a great deal of discussion about the green corridors for for the humanitarian assistance and for the evacuation of the civilians from Mariupol, Kharkiv, and Kiev, and other cities. Uh, I know it's been discussed with, with the Russians. Um, and um, kind of the routes, uh, like, for instance, in the case of Mariupol, they were supposed to evacuate civilians three days ago. But... Uh, as soon as they made an arrangement and they started moving the buses with people, uh, they started shooting in those buses. So uh, it was impossible to do so. I understand today is the third attempt to actually take out the civilians. As you know, uh, the city of Mariupol is under siege right now. Uh, There is no water, electricity or heating there. So the situation is really bad. There are half a million people there. Uh, Many people are trying to flee uh, Kharkiv. Um, and, and, and it's really staggering what's going on at the main central station there as people are trying to storm the trains to board to be able to go west of the country where it's still relatively safe. Uh, so we are facing a major humanitarian catastrophe. Um, also, there are many cities in Luhansk and Donetsk which have been cut off from water and electricity and heating. Uh, so uh, I think Russian military has taken up the stance of terrorizing the civilian population, of taking them hostage and, um, you know, using everything they can do to, you know, uh, to inflict maximum damage to the civilians. And these are crimes against the humanity. And this is something really abhorrent what's going on. As you know, today, there was a hearing in the international court in The Hague and where this issue was also discussed. And the uh, Ukrainian side has made uh, sub- submitted them, uh, the, the 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 statement there. Okay. Uh,
1: okay. Let me um, just ask you a couple of questions. Um, what is the situation where you are?
2: Uh, the situation where I, I am is still relatively safe. Just before joining the interview, I I came from a basement where I spent one hour and a half because there was a bomb alert. So every time the the Russians uh, you know sent out the missiles. Uh, that we are kind of rushed to the basement because nobody knows where they're gonna land. okay uh, so 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 I'm still in a safe place.
1: how How often do you hear those um, those air raid sirens or those alerts?
2: Well, it was twice today. Uh, there was one at two o'clock in the morning yesterday. Um, yeah, I mean it's four or five times per day. Okay. Um,
1: and your family is, you've already sent your family away. Um, uh, how much longer do you plan to stay there? Do you think you'll be able to stay there?
2: Well, my, I sent my family to Romania. They're currently in Bucharest, my, my, my wife and my two kids. Um, well, uh, in, in where I'm staying right now is my hometown where I grew up staying at my parents' house. Uh, Well, uh, I will stay here as long as I can. It's still relatively safe. Uh, uh, You know, if situation deteriorates, I'll have to make a decision on the spot what to do and and how to react. Uh, Mm. Now, you've
1: talked about what the Russian military is doing in some of these other places like Mariupol. And um, we've talked before about the situation in Kiev. Um, and other parts of the the country, do you, you get the sense that their objective is to just uh, harass, terrorize, and try to kill civilians, um, or or is this accidental, or is it they don't care? What is the situation? Are they targeting civilians? Is
2: that yes? Your... They're targeting civilians. They already destroyed over three hundred residential buildings in Ukraine. I'm talking about big apartment houses, which which are housing people. I think that's used as a way to. To actually intimidate uh, Ukraine and and how ha- and somehow make Ukraine surrender, but the level of damage is enormous, is staggering. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of the civilian infrastructure is destroyed? Most of the airports already destroyed in the country. Many roads, bridges, um, universities. How you know schools, uh, maternity houses. Nobody is immune from the Russian in- attack and invasion. Um, now there is a big Russian contingent uh, no- northwest of Kiev. And the atrocities they're uh, doing there are, are horrendous. Uh, just today, the mayor of Hostomel it was confirmed that he got killed uh, by the Chechen, actually, Russian troops uh, down there. And so this is really uh, horrible. Civilians are attacked trying to just flee the, the place. Um, you know, the cities of Irpin, and Hostomel these all small towns northwest of uh, of Kiev, they, they almost totally razed. Uh, and there are many new buildings there that were built and this is a very nice area uh, outside of Kiev. It's like in the forest um, and, and people enjoyed having their houses there. But now, I mean, there's not, not much left. Um, you know, for the past two days here, I was hosting some of my friends who were going in transit from, from Kiev down west because where I am right now, I'm kind of in the middle between Kiev and Lviv or whatever, any other spot in western Ukraine. So I had two families staying with me. Uh, there was another family uh, of ma- very close friends who, 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 at the start of the uh, with the outbreak of, of Russian attack, they decided to go to their summer house, which was exactly you know forty kilometers northwest of Kiev, uh, and they th- thought it was safer there. And guess what? They nine days there, they were trapped with no electricity, with all the Russian troops around. They were able to escape only yesterday. Uh, they said it was a horrible experience. They they joined several other cars of civilians had big uh, white flags, so they actually were passing by the Russian troops there, and they were shit scared because they saw many civilian cars in you know that burned down and there were still dead bodies there. So so they're like in total shock currently in the Capaftin Mountains. Uh, actually, the, my 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 friend, um, uh, she took her daughter now out to Romania, and they're gonna fly out to to Sweden somewhere. Out of Bucharest, where they have friends, um, you know this is uh this is horrible,
1: heartbreaking, and it's infuriating too. I imagine for you, but you know many people in 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 the West and number of people that I've spoken to in Russia are are just feeling that same way because this is completely unnecessary and it's just. You know, many people think it's it's the it's the act of a madman. But um, you know, the former foreign minister of Russia um, said that he doesn't think Putin is 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 mad or crazy. He he thinks that Putin simply is not. You know, he doesn't. He, there's so much corruption there. He's not even getting the right information about what's going on. The people around him have lied to him and deceived him. And you know, that doesn't excuse Putin. What I'm saying is this is a this is not just putin being a madman or crazy the whole system is this way
2: well perhaps but um apparently uh the damage that putin is inflicting on the russian population is 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 huge of course it cannot be comparable to what we have to live through yeah. and we were getting killed yeah. uh, you know uh, babies are born in the basements um over 35 children were killed already, uh, and 70 wounded. Uh, it's it's uh, it's really uh, you know insane what's going on here. Yes, I don't think that Vladimir Putin is mad. No, I think he's 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 calculated everything in cold blood and and, yeah. and what he's doing here. Um, of course, he's paranoid. Um, he is. Uh, you know, we don't know where he is. He's somewhere there in a bunker. There was a video published uh, two days ago where he is talking with some stewardess um and and it turned out it was a totally fake video he was sitting somewhere in a studio probably behind a green wall and then it was you know put together as if somebody was sitting behind him uh, so it was it was really clear uh, but this the sign that he's doing it and and he wants to demonstrate that he's close to the people is actually means that he's losing ground and in, in russia yeah. you know russian economy is going down the drain um and um uh, the the you the cannot take it um and uh, Western investors are divesting from the Russian assets. Uh, companies stop their operation there. Big Four just confirmed that all Big Four companies, accounting companies, are leaving Russia. Uh, I don't know. This is going to be North Korea number two. And you see, uh, even if he stops now, it's not like everything can be reversed very quickly. So it's long term. Yeah. Uh, and um, and uh, the economy will be isolated. Uh, now we we are putting putting pressure on the, on the on the free world to stop buying any products from russia be it agricultural commodities or oil or gas and i think uh we'll be able to succeed to a great extent so we'll limit the number of the, the amount of money that russians keep on getting and 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 their economy is doomed yeah. um uh, and um, but still uh they can still sustain the economic pressure much longer than we can sustain the military pressure in ukraine mm-hmm. uh, and of course, Maybe by the time their economy collapses completely, Ukraine will be gone. Uh, You know, we already have 1.7 million people as of today who fled the country. uh, And the the rate is so high that maybe in a week or two we'll have 5 million Ukrainians in the EU, which is going to cause a humanitarian crisis in the EU as well. Because how can EU absorb all this uh, number of people? It's already putting too much pressure on Poland. Which was the largest largest recipient of the Ukrainians, but also other countries. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's uh, uh, it's it's very difficult for everybody. Uh, but apparently, Ukraine keeps on fighting. Uh, we we need we need uh, a- a- air defense systems. We need we need jets. We need, we need ammunition, and we need the guns. You know, to be able to fight the Russians. Uh, you know, this is one ma- message that I can deliver. Uh, that that's that's it provide military assistance provided a sap we need it rolled out here right away it needs to be delivered to our troops fighting russians in odessa in kiev in Mikolaev, in, in in the east in all different parts of the country you know russians are getting ready to storm odessa and odessa is is a jewel on the black sea it's one of the most popular destinations for all the foreign tourists coming and it's a very historic city and they are just getting ready to attack it from their naval ships down there in the Black Sea, and that's what's going to be bloody and and very unfortunate. Um, okay. Kiev, Kiev is still kind of holding, uh, but they keep on shelling it. Uh, they keep on sending missiles, uh, and and it's getting 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 tough.
1: Last thing, um, if and when you get ready to evacuate, what are you going to take? Just briefly.
2: Look, uh, I already left Kiev, so all my stuff is in Kiev. Uh, as you can imagine, we packed our uh, you know, we packed in an hour. So I got like two pairs of jeans, several sweaters, some some t-shirts. I managed to bring one pair of my uh, uh, gym stuff, I mean to 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 do the running. I've done two runs already uh, here because I'm going crazy if I don't exercise. Uh, so so I finally started running here in in my town. Uh, this at least helps me uh, to stay focused and, and be more effective in what I do. Uh, but I already have nothing to kind of carry, my my back is very small. I got a laptop though, uh, that which is good. My cell phone, you know, got the documents on me, but that's pretty much it. All my stuff is in my, my 12 suits that I have. They're all in Kiev, you know, and, and my 50 ties that I have, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't have even a shirt with me. That's Vasil,
1: Mirosinchenko, one of tens of millions of Ukrainians fighting for their lives today. That's it for this episode of Target USA. Coming up in our next episode, another Iron Curtain is descending around Russia. What is it like living behind the Iron Curtain?
0: To be very frank, it was like living in the prison.
1: Audra Paplite, Lithuania's ambassador to the US.
0: Man, you cannot say what you think. When you cannot go where, where you want, when you have to have double life, something what you say in the public and other things, the values that you have in the family, even celebrating Christmas or Hanukkah or something, it was not official, you couldn't do that. So it, I would say it was really like big prison.
1: A close and deeply personal look at what Russians are facing behind the new Iron Curtain and more stories from people on the run in Ukraine. That's coming up on the next episode of Target USA. In the meantime, if you have any questions or comments about the program, send me an email. You can reach me at jgreen at wtop.com. The letter J, the color green, one word at whiskey tango Oscar Papa. Green at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha podcast. And if you want more national security news, you can sign up for my newsletter. It's called Inside the Skiff, and you can sign up at WTOP.com email. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA, the national security podcast. I'm
0: Martin Cove, Sensei John Kreese from Cobra Kai and the Karate Kid Trilogy. And who's kicking it with the coves this week, Rach? We have Jacob Bertrand, who plays Hawk from Cobra Kai. I'm so excited. You know, my dad's a doctor, so he has to, like, wear the scrubs and the special hat and all that crap. And so he found out that I was getting a mohawk, he was like, Dude, oh, I'm so jealous.
1: I wish I could have a mohawk
0: at my job. Oh,
1: God, you're so lucky. Don't miss out. Listen to and follow Kicking It With The Coves. Now at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Podcast One. Now.